Hello everyone and welcome to episode 28 of the Sophos Naked Security Podcast. I'm Anna Brading and I'm here with Sophos experts Paul Ducklin. Hello. And Matt Boddy. Hey. World. Hello. Hello everyone. Coming up on today's show, we talk webform security, Facebook's unfortunate Easter egg and how you can now use your Android as a physical security token. What have you been up to this week, guys? I was in Budapest over the weekend. Very nice. nice. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And I saw two things that I think will be interesting. Now, I know that a picture won't come up too well on a podcast. However, we saw this at the airport, which was a blue screen of death. Oh, yeah. The wrong way around. The wrong way around <laughs> at the airport. Also, I saw a lot of machines running Windows XP at the Hungarian airport. Oh, yeah. yeah, and not not Windows XP XP, not even Windows embedded, not even Windows embedded, Windows XP XP. So you saw the nice oh, little Windows start bar there. The other thing I saw, which I think would be interesting, is a shop called We Love Apple with a apple in a love heart, which I thought Duck would love. Oh, that's and the Apple shop. logo from about two hundred and fifty years ago, and it still had a rainbow. Yeah. I knew a chap when I was worked at Sophos Australia who actually had an Apple tattoo. But he'd had the rainbow one done. Oh. So, of course, he had oh. to decide, would he get it inked over or monochrome uh, when Apple changed its logo? He did not. He decided to stick with the old stick school. With the old school. Yeah, because if they then change it again, yeah. it's all inked over. And it's over. all dark. Then really he's stuck. Mm. That's how much he loved Apple, though. Yeah. What have you been up to, Doug? Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't get round to that because I uh, don't have anything quite as exciting as visiting Hungary. But I have been playing around with... ESP32, which is a really tiny Wi-Fi slash Bluetooth dongle. Very low power. You can run it off just a battery and use it to uh, build your own completely insecure IoT stuff. So I've been having a bit of fun with that. Nice. Anna, what have you been up to? (laughs) Have you been doing any games at all that you've got heavily addicted to? It's possible that I may have been playing a little bit of Minesweeper. Minesweeper? Yeah, but it was yeah. only on your phone just before. Uh, oh, right. school. But uh, yeah. tell me how impressed you were with it. Obviously. <laughs> how long was it? Three minutes, 12 seconds you completed yeah, but was, Minesweeper we did, in. We did also get interrupted halfway through that. So actually that wasn't your, that was that's nowhere near your score. best score. No, that's what yeah. I spent my teenage years doing, playing yeah. Minesweeper. Playing Minesweeper. And Snake. Which you also beat us at. Yeah. That is very impressive. If anyone listening to the podcast can beat three minutes, 12 seconds. With an interruption. With an interruption. You will win our highest prize. Of? Of our respect. Yeah. Back to cybersecurity chat. Duck, you've been writing about spitting and spewing this week. Well, yes. Spit is spam over internet telephony. Spim is spam via internet messaging. So when you get spam via SMS and stuff... And we coined a few years ago the term spews as a joke for spam by electronic web submission, which is where you go to somebody's website, there's a form for something or other, you fill it in and when you click the button, the idea is that you're generating an email and it gets delivered somewhere and that's a vehicle by which you can attack people in theory. Okay, so what was it you were talking, what what was it you were writing about this week? In this case, this is a Russian cybersecurity company called Dr. Webb went looking through their spam traps and they noticed that there were some mainstream German brands whose logos and content and stuff appeared in spam. Now, that's not unusual. You know, everyone gets a lot of spam and mixed in there, you'll get supermarket brands and travel brands where the crooks basically take other people's logos. They make the email look like it's something that you get from very big corporation and then they put their links in. And so they thought no more of it, but they thought, hang on, there's a, there's something 
strange about this one particular link. It keeps coming in emails that look very realistic. And when they went and looked closer, they found out that the email, these emails did indeed come from those major German brands. And what the crooks had figured out how to do is to go to these websites, sign up for the mailing list. EU law and good sense says you don't just sign up somebody to a mailing list because they put their email in. You send them a confirmation email. And what these crooks figured out how to do is they used that one-off confirmation email as a way of spamming the person whose email address they put in because they found that in the last name field, for example, instead of putting a name, they could actually put a web link and unfortunately it would get reflected back in the web form confirmation email. These particular brands weren't being strict enough on what they did with the data that was put into the form and they were allowing the crooks to decide what would come back in the email that was sent to a third party. Is this, is this becoming more prevalent? Are you seeing this more in... I don't think this is ever likely to be a big problem. It's fairly easy to go and check out what you do with your web form. For example, if you sign up for the Naked Security mailing list, all we ask you for is your email address. We don't ask you for other data. So you just get a mail sent to that email address... And inside is just boilerplate text that is not determined by the person signing up. It just says words to the effect of, if you want to receive the newsletter, click the link. Otherwise, do nothing and we won't bother you again. Yeah. Unfortunately, there do seem to be companies that can't resist using the confirmation email as a one-off marketing email, which is a bit rotten that you're asking somebody, do you really want to sign up to a marketing list? And you're filling the email with marketing. But if you just rein yourself in a little bit and that make the confirmation email really simple, do you want to be on the list? Then you kind of solve this problem. So I don't think it's ever going to be a mainstream vehicle for crooks, but it is an excellent reminder that when you have a form on your website that generates emails, whether they go on into the company or get reflected back out to somebody else, you need to be really cautious about what you allow someone outside the company to inject into the body of the email that's going to be sent on. And it seems that in some cases, companies are a little bit slack about that. So one of the questions we had on the article was, why not include capture? What happened to the defence in depth philosophy you always preach? What would it now, a capture is what a uh, completely automated procedure for telling computers and humans apart. It's one of those puzzles. Select all the cars or select all the street signs or select all the road crossings or whatever. And the idea is it's something that takes you several seconds to solve if you're a human, but it's kind of a little bit too complicated for an automated system to solve. The reason we didn't list it as a fundamental thing you can do to solve the web form submission problem is it is only about really captures are only really about rate limiting and the best way to solve this problem which is why we focused on that is to make sure that you're careful about what you collect what we're asking people to do is keep your confirmation emails when you send them out really simple don't allow externally provided content to get in there just use the email address and when people are supplying data to a web form, don't blindly trust what was put in. And we talked about this last week with Ben, didn't we? Input validation. Do you have any other tips? Make sure that if you're generating emails automatically, stick those emails through your spam filter. Because that way, if something dodgy does get into the email that's automatically generated, 
it's better to find out about it before that email makes it into your company and maybe puts the organization in harm's way or makes it out of the organization and makes you look bad. Cool. Thanks, Doc. Matt? Google's announced a new security feature for use with Android. Is that right? That is right indeed. So people may well have heard in previous podcasts we spoke about the YubiKeys and uh, and of Google's equivalent of that, the Titan Key. These are keys that can be used as a replacement for your password, essentially. So you can use them in order to log into a device without having to type in a password that you can remember. What Android and Google are doing here is they're making it so that your phone can be used in order to log into that device. Rather than a password that you have to type into something, you can have your phone present on you, switch Bluetooth on your phone, Bluetooth on your laptop. As long as they're in each other's presence, then it will allow you to log straight in. Essentially, the way it happens is as you as you get to the security prompt or you log into that into your emails, for instance, into Gmail, it will launch a prompt on your mobile phone that will say, "Hey, have you just tried to log in?" You can you can click yes, accept, and it will log you straight into to that using Bluetooth to authenticate that your phone is in the vicinity of the laptop that's trying to log in. So presumably, this is meant to encourage people to adopt two-factor authentication, the kind of people who might go, you know what, the idea of looking up a code on my phone and having six digits and then I have to look back to my laptop and type them in, that's a real hassle. It's contactless, basically. Yeah. You don't have to look, go back, and then and then type. Precisely, yeah. So it's, it's all about saving time. Um, Mark quite often says that people don't adopt two-factor authentication because of the time it takes in order to to firstly implement and secondly uh, in order to type those codes in that you have to look down to your device which gives you the second factor of authentication type in the numbers and if you're a slow typer it may take you a little while could take you several seconds Mm -hmm. yeah i've never quite bought that argument it seems to be a very small hassle i totally buy that argument i do yeah for the average person where security isn't their primary concern Mm -hmm. if they haven't witnessed you know i I get your point it isn't difficult but it's it's one it's one good excuse not to bother right yeah yeah if you if if it's the last thing on your mind Mm -hmm. and you haven't had some sort of security breach going to that extra effort of a few seconds every single time you log into that application or that that device when you can just type in your dog's name every single time can can be enough to put people off doing it however one of the main criticisms that we see in comments on naked security of 2FA isn't the hassle of typing in the password the complaint we most frequently get is people say well what happens if i lose my phone what happens if i don't want to take my phone with me and that this doesn't solve that problem you can you can have a backup device. Um, so so when I enabled this earlier for my Gmail account, it, it did say, "Do you have a backup device you want to use?" So I used Google Authenticator as my second factor of authentication. But that would still be a phone. But I I think with passwords, the only reason why people a lot of people have passwords is because they have to have them. Two two factor authentication is not a mandatory thing. So people just wouldn't. Um, so is it available to all Android users? Yes, from Android seven and upwards. Great. So it's built into the operating system. Yeah, yeah. So how do you turn it on? There are instructions on Naked Security where it can take you through how you can turn it on on your Android device. We can live it in the show notes, Doug. We can. Now, Matt, the, presumably those people who like the idea of something like a YubiKey, because that's a completely tiny but separate device, it doesn't do away with the market for YubiKeys or Google's own Titan Key. No, there are still people who might want to have... I mean, I like the idea that I have a laptop, a phone, 
and an authentication token where the authentication token just deals with the authentication. Yeah. And I can use it for multiple services. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's still absolutely still a need for the YubiKeys and Titan keys. For, for people who are going, well, I don't want to have yet another device. I don't want to go and spend 40 bucks on a YubiKey or I don't want to have to hassle to set that up. This is better than the alternative of using your dog's name. Plus, if you if you lose your phone, you can use the YubiKey to log in that time. All right. So, in fact, you could just you could even lock it away at home. Yeah. Never take it with you, so you can't lose it, and you just get it out if the worst happens as your third factor of authentication, if you like. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. So we also got a comment from Francois on Naked Security saying that he wasn't sure if everybody's going to have Bluetooth on their laptop in order to get this to work. So it's a fair point. Not all laptops have Bluetooth enabled by default. Not all laptops have Bluetooth on them. So you could buy a Bluetooth dongle or, uh, as Duck mentioned earlier to me, uh, you could just buy a YubiKey in order to just plug that directly into the device to get in. I haven't seen a laptop in the last few years that doesn't have Bluetooth. If you don't like Bluetooth because you think it eats your battery or you don't want to have it on, then indeed you can't use this technology that That's may be because you always buy Apple, though, because I think Apple does tend to ship with Bluetooth enabled, whereas I, I have seen a, a few Windows devices that are shipped not made by Apple that may have blue, not have Bluetooth on them. You're right. If, if you don't have Bluetooth, then you can't use Bluetooth. Yeah. But then you can use an authenticator app if you want to, which or is, a YubiKey or whatever. But, which is what Francois suggests. He says, I'm not sure how much better this is than Google Authenticator. So actually... To address how much better this is than Google Authenticator, you have to be actually in the presence of your laptop. The whole idea is it is a bit more secure than using either SMS or Authenticator app-based authentication. So it does prevent that kind of replay attack. Yeah. Great. Finally, a funny one from Facebook. The company's confessed to shipping tens of thousands of Oculus headsets with hidden messages inside. It's the right time of year for an Easter egg, isn't it, Doug? <laughs> yes. Is it a coincidence that this Easter egg happened a week before Easter or not? Tongin cheekily, if you like, wrote it up on Naked Security under the headline, Facebook admits, quote, supply chain data leak, unquote, in new Oculus headsets. Basically, what they figured they'd do is there's a whole lot of pre-release headsets that are going to go to developers and journalists and reviewers and techies for them to try out these devices before they become generally available. And they know that when you send devices like this to techies, whether they're phones or laptops or virtual reality headsets, reviewers love to take them apart. So they actually had printed messages inside on some component. Big Brother is watching this space for rent. The Masons were here. And one, which is a homage to a company called iFixit that does teardowns of devices they open up just about every bit of electronics and show you what it's like inside and there was one message that said hi i fix it we see you (laughs) unfortunately they accidentally put some of these messages printed messages inside some headsets that went into the regular supply chain that's going to go to consumers so some people who buy these after their official release if they open them up will find scary messages inside like the masons were here (laughs) so they sort of figured that they should probably fess up in advance rather than wait till someone found this and panicked what's the harm in something like that to be honest in this case not much 
it probably turned into quite a good PR exercise in the end. I don't think they were angling to get everyone to write the story. I don't think it was a, I don't think we were zuckered, as I put it in the article, into giving PR coverage for this. I think they were just worried that if somebody bought a genuine one of these devices on the first day and it came apart or they opened it up and they saw a message inside like Big Brother is watching, then they might be really offended and they might, it might start a rumor that would really go all horribly wrong so they decided to admit in advance where this kind of hidden message trick is a very bad idea these days even though techies still think it's super cool is when you embed it into software or firmware because generally these easter eggs that are in software not just printed messages the problem is they're meant to be hidden they're meant to be found only weeks or months later generally they don't get properly tested and it does raise questions about What are you doing releasing code that's not supposed to be there? So my advice is, if you're developing software or firmware for devices, resist the temptation to put in hidden messages and Easter eggs like this, because if someone finds them down the line, they could assume the worst. But it's interesting that I guess Facebook feels so beleaguered about privacy that they figured, you know what, it's only 10,000 devices. Most people will probably find it funny, but we better fess up in advance. So I think they felt that they had little choice but to do so, which kind of spoils the joke for all the people who are supposed to find it and feel a sense of achievement. My secret theory is that devices that have this message in one of the messages inside, you'll probably find them on online auction sites at well above retail price because there's sort of, there are already people on Twitter saying, oh, that sounds like a collector's item. One guy said, I want 10. So maybe it will end well for Facebook and Oculus, but with hindsight, don't do that. Be careful about what you hide because the wrong people might find it later. Good good advice, Doug. That's about all from us this week. Duck, where can we find you on social media? I am at DuckBlog on Twitter and at PDuckLin on Instagram. Matt? At InfosecBody on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Anna Brading on Twitter and we are, of course, Naked Security on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook by searching Naked Security. You can tweet us at Naked Security with suggestions for the podcast or you can email us at tips at sophos.com. And until next time, stay, stay secure. secure. <laughs> <laughs>